0: At a time like this, it's easy to see why local news is so important and why that news should be free for everyone who needs it to be. Your support of KCUR makes this essential reporting possible. If you can, please donate kcur.org slash give. And thanks.
1: Good morning and welcome to -to up-to-date special coverage, coronavirus in Kansas City. I'm Steve Kraske. First up today, a conversation about the federal response to COVID-19 with Missouri Senator Roy Blunt. Later, Mayor Quentin Lucas will join us to talk about his emergency declaration that limits gatherings in Kansas City to no more than 10 people. Is it working? But first this morning, KCUR health reporter Alex Smith joins us to talk about a new report from ProPublica that looks at how ready hospitals are for this expected onslaught of coronavirus cases. Alex, good morning. Good morning, Steve. What did this report conclude, Alex?
2: So basically, the big takeaway from this report is that a lot of hospitals, I mean, nearly every hospital in the country, would really potentially be overwhelmed by the high numbers of COVID-19 cases that are projected to take place in this country, you know, within the next
1: several months or within the next year. I can't help but wonder, what did it say about hospitals in the Kansas City area?
2: Well, in Kansas City, like in most places, we would be projected to run out of beds, A study from Harvard looks at nine different scenarios, checking out different combinations of the percentage of people who would get the virus and over what period of time. There's sort of a middle-of-the-road situation where 40% of people would get the virus over 12 months. In that case, the research estimates that we would need about 50% more beds than we have in the Kansas City area, and intensive care units would probably be even more overwhelmed.
1: Hmm. The report also said that pressure on hospitals will vary dramatically across the country. That surprised me a little bit.
2: Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, there's actually parts of kind of central and, and western Kansas which would uh, which would fare a lot better than than we would, even though they are considered healthcare shortage areas. Just the small populations would know, mean there would probably be a lot less demand on resources in those places.
1: What's your takeaway from all this, Alex?
2: Well, I have spoken with uh, hospitals and, you know, they generally don't give a lot of concrete numbers for things like hospital beds because they say they do have a lot of flexibility uh, to, to expand when they need to. And Harvard researchers say, you know, their research only looks at existing capacity. Hospitals can make changes like stopping elective surgeries and trying to free up beds that would otherwise be occupied. But right now, I mean, there are still some situations where we can stay within the current number of beds. I mean, if we can keep the infection low, down to like 20 percent of people in Kansas City, and stretch that out over at least 12 months, we could still be okay. But right now, the only way we can do that is if people are really taking social distancing seriously.
1: That's you our health reporter, Alex Smith. Alex, thanks very much. Thank you, Steve. Missouri Senator Roy Blunt joins us now to give us an update from Washington on the pandemic. Senator Blunt, always nice to have you here. Welcome back.
3: Hey, Steve. Always nice to talk to you. I'm glad to be with you for a few minutes today.
1: I don't need to tell you there's a lot going on right now. Let's begin with the Senate's decision to pass that multi-billion dollar emergency aid package yesterday. The legislation is known as phase two in Washington speak, and it included free coronavirus testing, two weeks of paid leave uh, and, and paid family and medical leave, and it boosts food stamps. The Senate has some reservations about this measure. What were they and what was your own position on it? Well,
3: I, th- I think the reservations were just be sure we had something here that was reasonable and that worked. The original delivery system from the house would not have worked. This was where you'd get tax credits. Uh, and of course, you get tax credits at the end of the year. Uh, that clearly doesn't solve uh, the problem for uh, an employer of fewer than 500 people, everything from a you know, 10 person restaurant to a 500 person whatever. Uh, but to, to say we're going to solve this at the when you file your taxes next year would not have been a solution. I think we came up with a pretty good solution here. And, uh, you know, our, our challenge right now is we need to make a lot of decisions, but we need to make them in a hurry. And we need to do the best we can arriving at the right decision, understanding that the Worst thing to do would be to not decide. So we have basically had two bills now. One was the original eight billion dollar bill that really focused mostly on the healthcare delivery system, trying to accelerate uh, eventually having a uh, a, a uh, something that would be a, a, a for the virus that would actually be a cure mm-hmm. uh, and uh, then the treatment areas and getting supplies to uh, state and local communities and all those sorts of things and then the bill yesterday about a hundred billion dollars mostly focused on keeping people on the payroll that they're already on for a couple of weeks of either self-quarantined uh, time away or Time away because your business essentially has been quarantined. Somebody has said your restaurant is going to close. Your right. Uh, your your, uh, your baseball park is going to close. Whatever is going to close is going to close. And now we're moving on to the, the bigger of those packages, bigger even than the package with President Obama in 2008, which was about 800 billion, or the 700 billion dollar package. Uh, 2009, rather, or the $700 billion package with President Bush the year before, we're looking at a trillion dollars to try to keep the economy uh, in a place where once we get through this, Uh, the economy will not have lost more ground than is absolutely essential. Let me
1: ask you about that, Senator. Uh, We're talking about mm -hmm. phase three now, and again, it includes these direct payments to Americans, and this plan is getting so much attention right now. The last numbers I saw, the bill will contain... $50 $50 billion for the airline industry, $150 billion for other distressed sectors of the economy, and two rounds of direct payments to Americans of $250 billion each on April 6th and May 18th. Are those numbers still holding, or are they, are they shifting here as, as negotiations continue?
3: I think those numbers are still holding to the extent that as you talk about this, and as people think about this, of this trillion-dollar package— Half of it would go to individuals that are at the low and medium low uh, and low middle income sectors of our economy. People who make, say, $75,000 a year or less are the likely recipients of this money. And uh, it'll have some some stimulative effect. I've never been a big advocate of the idea that just giving people money actually stimulates the economy. But this is a case where just giving people money actually helps them get through a crisis that they had no realistic way to prepare for, to make their payment, to do whatever they need to do to continue to keep themselves. And if they have a family, their right. family together. And so half of the trillion dollars would go that way. We don't want to get into a discussion here. Well, you only want to help big businesses at the top be sure they're still solid when this is over we want all job providers to be solid when this is over but half of the money designed to go to the individuals we just talked about
1: and, and, and senator as you dates,
3: know roughly that we talked about
1: senator schumer uh this morning is saying that th- this is not enough money directly to americans uh do you see any uh, wiggle room to provide even more money going forward
3: Well, one, one thing that is totally predictable here is that no matter how much money you come up with, some people will say it's not enough. What we've got to do is let the process of of democracy and, and legislating work here mm-hmm. so that we reach a conclusion that a majority of us can be for that the president will sign. So, um, you know, is, is, is he mean a percentage? It's not. Not enough, or if uh, you know, is, is half of all the money we're going to spend going directly to low-income American families and low-middle-income American families? Is right. it that half of what we're going to spend is not enough, or what would actually make this all right? And how do you eventually uh, deal with that as uh, as an ongoing load on your economy? Another thing to remember here too Steve is unlike 2008 where the economy had uh, in 2008 and 9 a significant systemic problem we haven't had that problem mm-hmm. so part of what we're doing on the other side of this is not trying to give businesses money but trying to figure out a way that we can help them have the liquidity they need at a time when their expenses still go on, but their income has stopped. Uh, And, uh, uh, you know, these businesses a month ago were generally incredibly solid. Mm -hmm. So how do you loan them money that they'll be able to pay back? And that's the other half of this is almost all a discussion of how do you loan small and bigger businesses money that they will pay back over time as opposed to how do you just send money to the American individuals that may need it. And I think that's a pretty good balance of Mm
2: -hmm. going ahead and
3: giving money to people who are going to be most likely stressed uh, by this in ways they wouldn't have otherwise. This is money that they don't give back. This is giving people money and then creating a, a source of money that will be paid back for big business and small business that need to come out of this uh, hole and also need to do all they can to keep their employees continue to be employees with benefits as opposed to people that get laid off that may or may not ever go back to work.
1: Senator Roy Blunt is my guest. Uh, Senator, how satisfied are you with the congressional and the administration's response to this crisis? Is anything missing?
3: Well, I'm, I'm sure something's missing, but generally I think uh, I should be and you and you should be people looking at this should be satisfied that while all of these have a clunky start, that uh, we've gotten to about the right place where state and local governments are being empowered to make, make the decisions that they will better make. State and local health care delivery systems are being empowered to do that even though on an, on most of these state and local health departments are paid for day in and day out about 50 percent by federal money but the decisions are going to be made better in Missouri and Kansas by people in Missouri and Kansas than they are in Washington. I think uh, Mayor Lucas uh, is a better person to decide what happens in Kansas City in most cases along with the council than the, uh, than anybody in Washington would be, and, and uh, Governor Parson in our state is doing what he needs to do, and one of the things he's doing is leaving a lot up to to, to mayors and school boards and others to decide what needs to happen where they are. So I, mm-hmm. I think we're in about the right place, some things we're going to look at long-term, supply chain, and other things on have we become too dependent on other countries on component parts of our healthcare system. Uh, we're going to be looking at that and we're going to be doing that in a bipartisan basis. I think a bill that Senator Durbin and I, along with Senator Alexander and Murray have, will be part of, of the bill we pass next week that will start a quick view of our medical uh, supply chain from pharmaceuticals to medical devices to just the protective equipment we need in the healthcare delivery system. I was going to ask you about
1: that, Senator. What are your that. what are your concerns about America's medical supply chain that that caused you to sponsor this bill?
3: Well, I think you know, we've the, the supply chain has has uh, dramatically globalized on all fronts in the last two decades. Generally, that's a good thing, being economically competitive we, Putting the most efficient set of parts together is normally a good thing. Uh, but when you've got China, for instance, saying we're going to stop sending these these uh, component pharmaceutical parts out of our country or when you've, you realize that too much of our protective equipment comes from one place. I think we need to understand that better and in all likelihood assure that we're uh, more diverse in our options. One of those diverse options, obviously, make it ourselves, which is what the president's always for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another is to be sure that we have multiple places to go, so that we haven't uh, become dependent. Uh, and it's not just Stephen. We we're going to ask first that the uh, the National Science Foundation look at this first and quickly from a healthcare perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, But after that, also, from a greater economic perspective, if you've got something that has 299 parts, uh, 300 parts, and you've got 299 of them, but the 300th one comes from somewhere else and you can't get it, suddenly you can't do what your enterprise is designed for you to be able to do. So this is a good time to think about that. Uh, But, uh, you know, a couple of thoughts here. I was talking to a group earlier today, what what is share some good news. I said, well, there's two good things of good news that, that I, I think we ought to be thinking about. One is uh, coronavirus-19, 19, COVID-19, 19, is almost totally unimpactful on children.
1: Hmm, yes. Uh,
3: you, unless there is a child that has a significant other problem already. And we know who those children are almost always. No child anywhere in the world has died as a result of this.
1: And what's the other piece of good uh, news, you know, Senator?
3: The other piece of good news is you know who you are. So if you're somebody who is not just older, older is not really the criteria here, but older with a with a compromised health situation anyway, you know that, and you should treat yourself that way. You should know that you you can't necessarily do what everybody else. You go to church with, does, or what everybody else at work does, and you know how to protect. You know that you should take.
1: Senator, we may have lost you here. I want to thank uh, Missouri Senator Roy Blunt for taking some time with us today. Now joining us is Kansas City Mayor Quinton Lucas. Mayor, always good to have you. It's good to be with you, Steve. No, you've indicated that you and other officials may make some last-minute changes to the city budget aimed at providing relief to individuals and businesses hurt by the coronavirus. What's the latest on that package, and what kind of aid are you looking at, Mayor?
4: You know, I think what we are first looking at is to address some of our own budget forecasts and add in, frankly, some austerity measures to make sure we'll have the money to operate. Yesterday, we did approve uh, $250,000. For one of our homeless shelters, we understand much more is needed. And we're going to look to the private sector to be a part of this with us. So I expect at the end of the week um, you'll be hearing more from us about a few plans we have rolling out to help support uh, a lot that's of That's the,
1: the restart stuff. shelter you're talking about. We've done that's- segments on that here, right?
4: Yeah, that, that's correct. That's the restart shelter, and we'll look to add more support in the days
1: ahead. The city doesn't have resources like the federal government, which is a way of saying that you can't print money down at City Hall. How large a package are you looking at here?
4: You know, the answer is no, we do not have the ability to print money at City Hall. So a lot of what we have to do are tax breaks in certain situations, waiver of fees. What we're trying to do is bring together all the ways that we can make it easier for business and individuals to weather this crisis without additional expenses from local government. There have been other American cities that have been able to establish $50,000 grants, one-off, that sort of thing. That is, in essence, what we've been looking to try to create. We don't have a full answer on it yet, but that's what we're trying to build.
1: You've said that Kansas Cityans have already been impacted by this slowing economy. What are you seeing across the city right now, Mayor?
4: Well, there have been hundreds of layoffs. So what we've got are more... Uh, businesses, both the certainly hospitality, restaurants, um, tons of other industries, entertainment that have been impacted. I think this next week we're going to see more folks that are dealing with issues relating to staying home with children to not having a paycheck this month. So it's really hitting in many ways every sector of the economy.
1: I was going to say your concerns about small businesses and restaurants as this crisis continues to unfold, what would those be and how can you help?
4: Well, you know, one is simply that they're closed and they're not making money now. But I think a more fundamental concern I have is that, you know, it's not as easy as waving a magic wand and everybody just goes back to work as normal. If you've gotten a few months behind, if you had big bills before and you weren't able to catch them, I'm concerned that there are some businesses that won't be coming back. And so that's the sort of thing. And frankly, that's the sort of help we're trying to give. You know, yesterday at City Council, we had a talk about let's get stopgap funding. But and more than just throwing a bunch of money out, you got to make sure you're getting it to the folks who need it most for their survival.
1: So, again, to be clear, you're looking at some sort of package to help small businesses. Is that sort of in the works right now?
4: That is in the works right now. I don't think we'll be swift enough to get it done today. Uh, perhaps not even next week, unfortunately. As you know, we are working under an emergency declaration, so I have the opportunity to actually uh, try to be a bit more flexible and work with the city manager we also have several unrestricted funds in the city budget that I'd like to reserve for uh, this sort of situation.
1: Are you looking at outright grants to small businesses and restaurants, or would it be loans or do you even know what you're looking at yet?
4: I think it would be more in the grant
1: approach. Uh, it's
4: very hard, however, for the
1: city to just give
4: money to businesses without some broader process. So the unfortunate thing of bureaucracies is we have to set that up. But now, absolutely, we would look to grants, we would look to fee waivers, we would look to extensions of guidelines um, to try to make sure people can weather it from a local government perspective as best as possible, and in our social safety network, making sure that folks like Restart, so many others, can actually survive during this dump.
1: Are you able, do you have millions of dollars at your disposal here, Mayor, or is it something less than that, given, again, we're talking about a city budget as opposed to a federal budget? Uh, we do not
4: have it in any way near the money that the federal government has to try to weather the crisis. Um, I would say to the extent we can we can piece it together, we you're looking at the low single digits millions, um, you are not looking at a robust you know 10 20 100 million dollar package so frankly they would be small grants they'd have to be spent judiciously and frankly it would look to us to really try to invest where our money may get the best kind of return to impact the highest number of
1: people so bottom line is you can only help so many people i think that's correct Steve. yeah is it um too much to say that kansas city will emerge from this crisis mayor as as a different city from what it is today
4: I don't think it is. Um, I think this supreme of us in.
1: A lot of different ways. Now, most
4: of us listening remember 9-11 and remember how after that you saw our country, our economy largely bounce back, but there was also kind of this this short-term thing where you you had to get past it. Um, And I think the challenge for us right now is that this is a bit of a rolling crisis. For those of us on the Missouri side, how long are the schools closed? What does that look like? Um, What is the long-term business impact? Frankly, for those of us in government, what's the long-term impact on revenues? Does the hotel and motel industry return the same way at all? Does travel return the same? So I think there's going to be lots for us to find for the future, and I think uh, that's why you're seeing exactly, such deep thought right now, and so many of us trying to get it right.
1: Again, Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas is my guest. For the record, we have two confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Kansas City, or do you have any updates this morning?
4: You know, we still have two confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Kansas City, but as i at a press conference yesterday particularly given that some of the earlier cases were travel based that means that we know that the folks who flew back to kansas city lived in johnson county came through kci they would have interacted with lots of folks so frankly i think like you're seeing in new york city right now where when you have enhanced testing you see the numbers jump i i fear that's the same case we have in kansas city and our entire region
1: I'm wondering about your frustrations at the l- lack of available testing here in Kansas City and in so many communities across the country
4: you know i've I've said since I was running for office Steve I'm not one of the those
1: in Washington or our state capitals, but
4: uh, I am frustrated uh, they matter we We have needed more emphasis on this three for four weeks, not just the last two days and, and I'm, Glad to hear. I think the president is now recognizing this week the level of uh, pandemic that we're dealing with. But um, I think it has had a negative impact on our ability to stem this crisis. Frankly, it's had a negative impact on people seeing the seriousness of this. I'm, I include myself in this. When folks don't know how broad it is, when you're hearing single-duty cases, when you're hearing it's in essence not that big a deal, you take one approach, whereas when you see the types of numbers that are showing up in the west and east coast of our country, certainly over in Europe, then you recognize what we're confronting. And I think only now is that lesson being spread nationally, and I think that has been unfortunate. I think it's vital we get more testing soon.
1: You know, you expressed frustration last weekend at the number of young people who were out in Westport uh, on a Saturday night. There's some frustration in Florida right now about young people congregating on beaches. I'm just wondering, uh, you know, do you have any sense is, is that improved or are you still uh, s- feeling some frustration that the message isn't getting out to all members of our community?
4: You know, I'm not sure the message is getting out uh, yet, although I think we've certainly taken measures to address that, but I'm reminded of this. In the the book and the band played on by Randy Schultz about the early AIDS crisis, there was the pressure to close the bathhouses, and initially there was a significant pushback um, in San Francisco and lots of other places, and part of that is that I think you have to make sure in any public health crisis, you're explaining why. right? If people think you are just shutting things down, if if there's no real rationale behind it, if there's not an emergency, if the President of the United States is saying, and there's not an emergency, then, you know, I, I'm not actually going to throw stones at a 20-year-old who's saying this is the best spring break of my life. I think the issue for all of us in government, all of us in public life, frankly, is to share with them why it is so important, not necessarily to take the shaming approach, but to instead say, this is a significant deal. It's one that can change the face of our country for years to come, and that everybody has to participate in the solution.
1: You know, you've taken the extraordinary steps of making an emergency declaration and then expanding it in the last week. Uh, You've known uh, you've banned gatherings of more than 10 people, closed movie theaters and prohibited restaurants from offering dine-in services. What's your sense today? How is the city taken to that, Mayor? How are residents responding?
4: I think, well, you know, I think last week when the Big 12 tournament was called off, you heard the first groans. I think when I see the executive order a thousand person events, there were there were some folks that said this is this is awful. Every now and then because I've given my cell phone to the whole city, I'll get a text message or a call from somebody who says, Oh, you're destroying business But I think most get it. Most get that this is something that is essential, that's necessary and that we're all going to try to figure out a way to work through it. And I think the information is getting out there for folks. I was concerned because early last weekend, there were folks in different communities that I don't know if they listen to up-to-date or central standard. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not sure they were catching all of the, the needs. I think we've done a better job of getting that message more broadly. Um, folks are a little scared, but I think they understand why we're doing what we're doing, and that leads to better compliance.
1: I'm just uh, putting myself in your shoes a little bit. You're making these decisions, I'm sure, very, very quickly. How difficult a call is it to declare and and to make an emergency declaration?
4: It, it was very challenging because you know Kansas City, Missouri, was a little little bit out front. Um, I believe we declared an emergency certainly before either of our certainly before Missouri, but a few hours before Kansas, um, and then when. when we, my office, made the choice to close the schools in Kansas City, which functionally closed all the school districts in the Kansas City metro on the Missouri side. That was another one that uh, was very serious. Um, in times like this, you know, leadership from uh, our higher levels of government is helpful. To the extent it's wanting, then we realize there are important calls we have to make, and we try to do those as best as possible. Knowing that there is a broad diversity in, in viewpoints, even among health professionals in our country. And, uh, no, this has been a very challenging few days. Um, I'm lucky to have very good support. You know, today in city council, we're talking about a budget. I know half my colleagues are quarantined. Half my colleagues hate the fact we're voting on it. The other half think it's essential that we actually do our job and pass the budget. And, uh, you know, these are just some, these are some challenging times for all of us. But we need to make sure government remains open, that people know that they can come to the city um, for some support and guidance during this
1: time. So as the mayor of a major American city, what worries you the most today? What's keeping you up at night?
4: Our poorer population. I think um, so far the way that this virus has spread, it has largely um, impacted uh, folks that have been able to get, I think, quick emergency medical help, hospitals, et cetera what i'm scared of is what if this impacts our homeless population disproportionately what if this impacts our most at-risk populations that at the time of any health crisis are largely underserved Uh, i'm terrified of that frankly because i don't think we have a solution for that yet Mm -hmm. and i think if there was an outbreak at x or y shelter tomorrow if there was an outbreak in in a homeless population in a camp or a community um i think those are folks already with largely weakened immune systems and it could be very traumatic and i think containing the spread would be equally challenging because of this so many of our social services deliveries require us to be communal we have soup kitchens we have shelters you go to places for it when we lose those we lose not just so much of our infrastructure to feed people and house people and to clothe them but to also take care of them if they're sick
1: KCUR's Lisa Rodriguez reported yesterday, Mayor, on a council committee meeting that was rife with technolo- technological issues. What happened there, and have you gotten that situation resolved? Well,
4: I was exceedingly frustrated yesterday with um, the council meeting, and I think the, um, the short answer is I've been told that it's all better. I'm going to go upstairs to City Hall and check it myself, um, and I think um, it reflects that everybody says you're ready for that,
1: but... We're not enough and we're talking Uh, about connecting remotely with your council members uh that's what we're talking about here yeah that's correct that's correct
4: the uh state statutes require us to either meet in a public room in the open right as normal um or you can do it by video conference the video conference system uh was not working it took about 40 to 50 minutes for it to get up to work i think that is incredibly disappointing i think the city which has a 1.7 billion dollar budget should be better equipped to do it and ultimately the way we did it was that i just you know, put my cell phone on a conference call and then myself and Councilwoman Catherine Shields are in the room and our colleagues are speaking up this time. We're not, we clearly need to do better. And I expect much better today.
1: Mayor, just a final thing. Several of your council members are under self-quarantine. Have you thought about the possibility that you might need a self-quarantine yourself at some point?
4: You know, at this point, I have not um, considered that at first because I, have, I did not really interact with any of those folks that had gone off to D.C., um and I respect their self quarantine choice right now um and for the most part, I've been at city hall for the last however many days in the mayor's office, um trying to make sure we handle this well, so i we have not had the usual exposure to the public that a public official would have it you know was in many ways regrettable, but at the same time understandable and uh so right now, I don't think that's essential, but I will always take the proper medical advice as we go on to make sure we're not putting anyone in in
1: city hall or in our in our city at risk mayor always appreciate your time sure appreciate it thank you steve you bet that's kansas city mayor Quentin lucas will be checking with him as we progress through this pandemic after a short break when we come back getting help for folks and employees who have lost their jobs and been laid off in recent days i'm steve kraske and you're listening to up to date on 89.3 kcur And welcome back to -to up-to-date special coverage, coronavirus in Kansas City. I'm Steve Kraske. The steps being taken to minimize social contact and the spread of the novel coronavirus are now causing some employees to be working fewer hours, getting laid off or losing their jobs completely. People are suddenly faced with what that means to pay bills, get groceries, make the rent or the car payment or the mortgage. Word is the federal government could be preparing to send checks to each of us, but what can people do to prepare for what is suddenly a very new reality turns out the answer is a lot with us today are three representatives from the community services league of jackson county that's an organization that provides help to people in need mayor lucas was just talking about this uh, group of individuals and the folks i have with me here in front of me from the community services league are doug cowan he's the ceo Doug, good morning to you. Good morning, Steve. Amber Bauer is Vice President of Housing Services. Amber, nice to have you. Good
0: morning.
1: Rachel Barker is Vice President of Financial Coaching. Rachel. Good morning. Thank you. If you have found yourself with what is a new employment situation that came on very suddenly and have questions about how to prepare for the road ahead, you can call us right now, 816-235-2888, or tweet us at KCUR up to date. Doug, the timing of this is fortuitous. The mayor was just talking about folks who find themselves in need very suddenly here. Tell us about the Community Services League, because I'm betting that a lot of people haven't heard of it What do you do, how do you help people? Well, Community Services League does a lot of a lot of a lot of
5: things, is what yes. we like to say. Everything from basic needs, financial coaching, housing services, um, employment coaching. Uh, we really run the gamut of of social services. We've got a total of fourteen locations between uh, Jackson and Clay counties. Uh, some of those are just food pantries. We run a, a feeding program. Some of our sites are employment only. Um, so we do a lot of things. But I think it's important. Um, it's a great time to be having this conversation. The good news that I would tell. Uh, the listeners is uh, Kansas City is well known for its social support systems and and even though these are are uneasy times I would tell folks not to panic that there are good supports in place we're thrilled to be here to talk about some of those that exist.
1: I was going to say what you do is really hitting the sweet spot in terms of where a lot of Kansas Cityans find themselves all of a sudden right now.
5: Yeah and we saw we saw as things started to get a little crazy around town we saw the 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 run on grocery stores and those types of things and and there was there was a little bit of panic involved and I would advise folks that we're seeing good good support from government level good community support very generous support from folks there are going to be supports available um the key thing is helping the folks to navigate them uh, but uh while everybody's situation is different i would say Take a breath. There are people like CSL and other great organizations out there that can help you navigate the challenges that you're facing.
1: Again, if our listeners need help and are wondering what might be available, our number 816-235-2888 or tweet us at KCUR up to date. Amber, we're going to be talking this morning about what folks should do if they get behind in their payments, either with a landlord or a car loan. There's a theme here, I think, that's going to emerge in our conversation that your organization emphasizes, which is to communicate early and often with the lender about your situation and what you can do. Tell us about that, because that's a really key point here.
6: Yeah, I think that's what folks need to remember is communications key. So if you find yourself not being able to make the full payment or no payment at all, just to communicate that. Call your landlord call your bank, call your lending company, set up a payment plan. Because the thing is, the payment's not going away. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be there at the end of the day. So how can we get in front of it when we feel like we're drowning? So always set up a small something to make that end payment less.
1: I think a lot of people hesitate to make that call for very understandable reasons. They feel like a failure. They think they're going to get balled out. What can you advise them about what that conversation might sound like?
6: You're not alone. You're mm-hmm. not the only one having this fear, and you're not the only one trying to figure out what to pay and what not to pay. Yeah, Landlords are aware of this. Lenders are aware of this, but they also have businesses. So don't feel like you're not being able to do what you need to do. Just really communicate what you're trying to still keep up with.
1: You know, Rachel, communicating is tougher as so many offices close. That means you know a lot of folks don't have a phone. They don't have a smartphone. They don't have the Internet. What can they do when the libraries are closed what do you, what are you guys advising
0: that's a really good question um there are some good companies out there that are offering you know, free internet free wi-fi um, xfinity they have um, started expanding their services to uh, free wi-fi and for low-income families they are now able to sign up for a free internet if they can access that at home so i would say get in touch with those um those companies
1: But again, the message that you guys are giving us today is that a lot of lenders will work with you if you reach out to them. And again, I I think that might surprise some people. They think they've got to make the payment.
0: Right, absolutely. And there's a lot of good communication coming out from banks and credit unions on what uh, their customers are supposed to be doing. So I encourage people to to search that information out, reach out. Like Amber said, you're not alone in this and these banks um, they do have plans for people they simply do have to make that phone call
1: i'm repeating here but be proactive, be proactive. A- a- as amber said get out in front of this thing don't wait on your situation absolutely right? yeah and steve i would add
5: uh, yeah, real please, quick Doug.
1: um
5: there's been a lot we we tell folks that catching the things coming from the federal government, state government, county, local government is kind of like drinking from a fire hose. But we're trying to be out there and and be a good source of information. And so it's important to note that in some of the legislation that has been passed, the the president signed a bill, um, an order that no FHA, Federal Housing Administration, insured mortgages or FHA-backed Reverse mortgages can be foreclosed upon until May 18th at the earliest. So, explain
1: that in layman's language. What does that mean to people?
5: Well, you either have um, a lot of people have an FHA-backed mortgage. Almost every reverse mortgage is backed by uh, the FHA, Um, and so if if you are one of those millions of Americans that have that, um, now the federal government has said that lender cannot legally. Foreclose uh, upon you, so I think it's important during these times too that folks, if they are able to access information, that they know their rights, and then additional action is being taken. So our, our the folks listening over on the Kansas side, uh, Governor Kelly has signed. Uh, I was and, just going to ask you about evictions, right? Yeah, and and so her order is that no no one in the state of Kansas. Can be evicted, and that's commercial or residential evictions, um, or foreclosed upon until May first at the very earliest. So, one of the things that we always tell folks, and and we know that we need to be a clearinghouse for this information, is know your rights. Make sure that you know what your rights are, um, and make sure you ask those questions. So, uh, and just like any industry, an informed consumer is a very good consumer. So, know your rights. If you have an FHA backed mortgage or reverse mortgage, or if you're in the state of Kansas. Um, know that you you cannot be evicted or
1: foreclosed upon. So if you're a renter in Kansas just to reiterate here you can't lose your apartment between now and May 1st based on the order that Governor Kelly just signed.
5: That's correct I I believe that that is Executive Order uh, 20-06 as I was uh, reviewing that I think came out earlier uh, this
1: week so that's important news for folks to know. Rachel, I think a question uh, that might be for you here from Helen on Twitter. If you are not yet, but likely to be soon, I guess, laid off, what should you do with the cash you do have?
0: With the cash that you do have, you know, I think it goes back to looking at what your expenses are on a regular monthly payment. Um, because, like Amber said, those bills aren't going to go away, you know, tomorrow tomorrow. And next month and so to start planning out what you can do with the cash that you have now
1: what do you prioritize what what absolutely. bills should you pay first
0: get in touch with you know your landlord or your mortgage company because housing definitely comes first take a look at the utility bills that you have so you can keep the um, heat on right now and the AC coming soon and get in touch with utility companies if you feel like you're going to need to make some sort of a payment arrangement with them. But definitely, you know, conserve cash as much as you can. And I think one thing that, you know, we have seen also is people that are just panic buying a lot of um, things that they might not need right now but think that they might need in the future, you know, stick to Um, a budget whenever you go grocery shopping and whenever you're making a plan for what you're going to cook for the week. It's all of those smart things that you would do with your day-to-day budgeting um, in a normal life um, and just to keep on doing those things to conserve your money.
1: Just to be crystal here, does it go without saying that housing and food sort of come first and then maybe in a third tier would be utilities?
0: I would say that's a good assessment.
1: What do we know from, uh, what are you guys hearing from the utility companies in terms of what's being, uh, what they're going to offer consumers right now in terms of avoiding shutoffs of services, that kind of thing, Doug?
5: Yeah, so three of the biggest utility providers here in the Kansas City area are Evergy, Independence Power and Light, which is Municipal um, Utility Service in Independence, as well as Spire. Um, They have all ceased uh, shut off. Uh, so nobody is going to be shut off at this point. However, Amber brought this up earlier that one of the things that we've seen during these times, and there's been sporadic in the past, but when uh, utility companies have said no shutoffs, sometimes people see that as, oh, well, I just don't have to pay. The reality is um, it is best to keep paying what you can uh, because there will be a time where shutoffs will be implemented again. Mm-hmm. And and what may be a $100, $150 bill today Three months down the road could be a five to six hundred maybe even a thousand dollar plus bill, so we encourage folks not to see this as a reason to not pay, but to go ahead and keep paying if, if your income is has been diminished at all, keep paying what you can, um, but don't ignore it
1: completely and Amber again to, to repeat if you're communicating, if you're paying what you can, that might serve you well in the long run once May and June and the summer months
6: come along. Absolutely. And I think it's critical, like Rachel mentioned a minute ago, like, turn off when you can. Um, Yes, we are expecting a cold front today and tomorrow. But when you can turn your heat off, turn it off. Mm -hmm. Don't turn your, you know, air on until you absolutely have to. Open the windows. Utilize a fan. Just really be resourceful. And it's times like this that people may not have had to think about these things in the past, but be proactive.
1: Yeah. We have an email here from Brian who called to say he had a two-hour phone wait getting through to T-Mobile yesterday, and he's wondering what we've already talked about, what people can do if they don't have a computer or smartphone. But the point here is, are people, are consumers able to get through to the utility companies and have these conversations, or are we looking at two-hour waits every time someone tries to be responsible?
6: I think the waits are going to be long, yes, because I think a lot of people are in that frantic mode. Yeah. And I would just say as much as you can do electronically via email, I know they all have help portals, support portals, try to go that route as well. Yeah. Um, I know that some of the bigger cellular phone distributors are not doing shutoffs right now either. So I think it's all about education. You just get on your provider's website and see what they can do. There are – oh, sorry. No, go ahead. There's also government-assisted phones for individuals that can't afford Cell phones?
1: Where do they go to get one of those?
6: Online, once again. Um, and they are smartphones. So then you do have the accessibility to a lot of the websites to do your research that you can't go to the library for right now. So there's multiple vendors out there. There's Q-Link. There's SafeLink. Link. Um, so there's resources out there that some folks may not know are available that really do come in Dire need right now.
1: Do you have information about that on the Community Services League website? If people want to go find out information about free free phones,
5: yeah, and they and they can leave us an uh, they can use our Twitter hashtag uh, or Twitter handle. Excuse me, at CSL Cares, we'll be happy to follow up with them uh, directly with additional information. But we do have a list of resources: uh, www.cslcares.org. Uh, we're also working on a specific uh, dedicated site right now that will help provide additional. Uh, guidance for folks, and and we would be remiss, of course. We are a uh, uh, pleased to be a United Way partner agency, and uh, I know folks around here hear this all the time, but it is a great place to start if you're if you're looking for assistance. To call two one one, that's all all you have to dial two one one, and you'll be connected twenty four hours a day. Uh, to a call center that's based here in the Kansas City area with wonderful, fantastic uh, navigators that can help talk you through a situation. So it's a great resource we have in
1: Kansas City. I was going to say we talked yesterday on this show about 211 as a place to go. We're talking today with Community Services League representatives. I'm just sitting here thinking there's a lot of stuff for people to have to navigate here. This is all coming at people very, very quickly. Again, they can get help by coming to you folks and they can get help by going to 211 but it's a big bite of the apple right now for a lot of people
5: it is a word that i would put out it this part of what we're going through right now as a community feels like it did 10 12 years ago during the recession mm-hmm. and we know that there is a, a percentage of the population um, that is usually reliant or needs specific social supports to help help survive and we're we're glad that in Kansas City we have that strong social support network what we're going to be seeing uh we are seeing now and will be seeing in the future just like we did during the recession is a whole new cadre of folks that are going to be accessing supports and so I would encourage folks that are listening that if you find yourself maybe you've never had to access a food pantry a housing counselor a financial coach an employment service whatever that might be I would encourage folks we see the best results when people are more proactive um and and Steve, you mentioned it earlier that some people might feel ashamed, like I've done something wrong. I've got to reach out for help. If people reach out, there are things out there, and we can help make what could seem a challenging situation seem a little less challenging. The where things kind of go wrong is when folks. It's sort of like going to the doctor. If you don't, if you avoid going uh, for months or years, uh, things can get really Sitting bad. Sitting on the
1: couch and watching TV, you're saying, may not be the best option right now, is what you're saying.
5: Yeah, because that situation that you're in, if it's challenging right now. In three, four weeks, three,
1: four months, it could be really, really challenging. Let me go to some phone calls here at 816-235-2888 or tweet us at KCUR up to date. Kathleen from Midtown, good morning.
4: Good morning. I just wanted to make a comment. In uh, 2008, I lost my job and my husband became
6: paralyzed, paraplegic. And um, I struggled with my mortgage and I caught up. But I could never fully
4: catch up. And I had over $6,000 of late fees, which I still have because I'm not going to pay them. Because you get behind on one and you pay the next month and they keep charging you that late fee every month because you can't catch all the way
2: up. I just think that that kind of financial behavior should be outlawed.
1: Are we seeing uh, any of these? I appreciate the phone call, Kathleen. Are we seeing any of these lenders sort of relax those late fees as we go into this uh, this time of crisis, Rachel?
0: Yes, I definitely have seen lots of different emails from banks and credit unions about what kind of late fees that they are waiving. Um, I. Just saw an email this morning about um, a mortgage lender that they are deferring mortgage payments for up to 120 days. Um, I believe it was car payments for up to 120 days, letting you um, overdraft your account with no fee. So I do feel like that there are some good things that are happening, and I imagine that good things are happening because that the 2008 financial crisis was so bad that there was mm-hmm. a lot of things that were put in place to protect um, consumers, especially um, mortgage holders.
1: I can't help but note this morning that jobless claims across the country have jumped 70 percent in recent days. They've popped up a third here in the Kansas City area. And uh, Victoria on Twitter is writing us to ask, Kansas unemployment is too busy to be reached. What do you recommend for filing?
5: Well, I know that they have their online portal, um, and and I don't know if there's a magic fix to that. Um, we, we are going to see, we are seeing systems stressed right now. Um, our local community-based supports are uh, feeling stressed. So you, you look at our school districts are stressed on how they are uh, getting not only educational materials, but also uh, food items to families in need. And And you look at government systems like unemployment are going to be um, stressed and and I know that doesn't make the situation better uh, but folks are going to have to to be patient to help navigate the system um, but we always encourage folks to uh, be your best advocate and if you're having a hard time advocating on your behalf um, get in touch with somebody call call your local um, organization that you've worked with in the past or you can call an agency like Community Services League we talked a lot about housing today and and that's a an area where a lot of people don't necessarily know what their rights are. The law can be complicated, especially around a mortgage or eviction. Um, In Kansas city, we have a lot of HUD, uh, HUD certified housing counseling agencies of which community services league is one of those. People can go to HUD.gov hud.gov and find a housing counselor or they can call us at community services league at 816-254-4100 there are housing counselors uh, throughout the metropolitan area uh, that can just talk with folks over the phone and help cut through uh, some of the craziness
1: that that people might be might be seeing several people have written us to ask do you know what are the basic requirements to qualify for unemployment and what do they base it on who can help with that?
5: If you look at both Missouri and Kansas, basically it's um, it's job loss um, at no fault of yours. Mm-hmm. And so you need to just go ahead and apply. And really, um, both uh, both Missouri and Kansas... Apply sooner rather than later, I think I've read. Yes. Uh, they have calculators. You can get an idea. Um, now, I did do a, a little bit of homework so I could speak knowledgeably um, with Missouri, um, you could expect reasonably up to 20 weeks of unemployment support if you are um, if you are approved. At most, somebody will make about three hundred and twenty dollars a week. Um, in Kansas, you might expect sixteen to twenty-six weeks um, of unemployment. I believe the the twenty-six weeks is um, during. Uh, it takes some special legislation, so I think it's closer to the sixteen to twenty um, week. But uh, so in Kansas, somewhere between one hundred and twenty-two dollars a week and four hundred and eighty-eight. And the amount of your unemployment benefit depends on how much you were working at the time um, that you were that you were laid off. But again. And it, for folks that we, you know, we've had a a period of really low unemployment the last several years, and this will be new uh, new ground for a lot of folks. So would encourage them to, if they are facing unemployment, uh, to go ahead and reach out to the state of Kansas or the state of Missouri.
1: Sounds good. Let me go back to some calls here. Mike from Overland Park. Mike, you're on the show.
4: Hi. Uh, I I was. Uh, it's interesting to hear about the unemployment, but I'm thinking there have to be companies who are going to be. Short staffed, uh, one that comes to mind is Amazon. You know, there's going to be tons, tons more deliveries. So I just wonder if any um, local, regional, for profit, non profit entities are setting up to match healthy workers who want to work with, with a few companies that might need them.
1: That's oh, a great question, Mike, because you're right. Amazon and lots of employers are are picking up lots of workers right now. What do we know about that? Yeah, so
5: that's a great point. And, you know, we're in a period of we. there's a lot of things that we don't know. You know, some of the best case scenario that I see is perhaps our recovery is V-shaped, where... Um, where there's been a, a steep decline in, in economic uh, productivity, uh, but then hopefully there would rebound quickly, so in in the shape of a V, um, and that a lot of people would be able to go back to work quickly. But the reality is there may be a lot of people that need to be retrained or connected uh, with workers. At Community Services League, we run uh, two job training programs. We have pathways in uh, construction trades as well as healthcare. So we graduate folks with welding, um, also CNA, certified nursing assistants. I will. Tell you one of the challenges we're having, Steve, is that our nursing classes right now have had to be temporarily, um, because of the COVID-19, they've uh-huh. had to be suspended. So At a time when nurses are needed more than ever. Correct. So we're working on tr- trying to figure out how we scale those back up quickly. But um, yes, uh, Community Services League and others in the area um, are well positioned to uh, be matchmakers, if you will, to connect with employers um, and then eligible employees. And so I think once we get out of this um, several week period um, where we're essentially all hunkered down that I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll have a lot of opportunity this spring uh, to be connecting or reconnecting workers to um, employment opportunities in our area. You know,
1: Rachel, we talked earlier about uh, foreclosures being put off in some cases, but the mortgage crisis of the early 2000s resulted in some new rules about when a lender can foreclose on a property to, to even to begin with. There are steps that banks now have to take in in an effort to uh, reduce the number of foreclosures. Tell us about that.
0: Yes, there are steps that the mortgage companies have to take. Um, The first step is working directly with the um, client. And the goal is never to foreclose on behalf of the, um, the mortgage holder. So they will go through lots of different steps, either deferring payments, Um, making some sort of payment arrangement, a reduced payment, so people can catch up. And there are lots of, and and I'm not going to quote any exact time period because I can't recall that off the top of my head, but there are time periods that mortgage companies do have to work with and before any type of foreclosure can ever start. Do
1: these new rules address those late fees that we talked about earlier with our phone caller?
0: They do not, as 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 far as I know.
1: You know, a- Amber, uh, is one type of loan typically more difficult to work out some kind of arrangement with if you fall behind? I mean, a car loan, for instance, or a home equity loan? Uh, what do you think? Uh, Rachel, take that one, too.
0: I think at this time, it's just going to depend uh, financial institution to financial institution what's going to be you know, easier to resolve. Um, our, our hope is that everybody is very cognizant of the situation so they know that there are people in need and that really do need the the deferments that could be available so i'm not sure yet if one's going to be easier to work with than than another i i feel like we'll probably be seeing that it's not lost on
1: me either that interest rates are dropping right now just quickly there might be some opportunities to save money on that end as well
0: you know that is really not my expertise so i i'm not Sure about that? But possibly, but, Doug.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
5: I will. Uh, my wife and I have looked at uh, refinancing our house. So as you know, rates are dropping, if people are in a position to do that. Uh, but again, I, I think the theme for today has been uh, be proactive in in outreach.ing Same thing with with your bank, your mortgage holder, whoever that is.
1: Be proactive uh, it, during these early times. A good way to wrap this up. I want to thank our representatives from the Community Services League of Jackson County, Doug Cowan, Amber Bauer, and Rachel Barker. Thank you all very much. Good luck with the heavy workload ahead. Appreciate Thank it. Thanks, Steve. Okay, we're, that's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow. You're listening to up-to-date special coverage, coronavirus in Kansas City. I'm Steve Kraske.